0: tonight to 1st Corinthians chapter number 10. 1st Corinthians chapter number 10. Thank you for flowing with the Holy Ghost last week. Amen. As we were moved upon to pray, glory to God and people were touched. People were touched online. People were healed. I believe we got some things done, but we're still flowing with the Holy Ghost. Many, many different ways that the Holy Spirit flows and teaching is one of those flows. Glory to God. Well, Uh, You know, we got to talking about three things, if you'll recall, that I'm convinced of in my own heart that you and I are not going to make it in these last days without mastering and, and gaining some proficiency in three areas. Anybody remember what those three areas were? I just mentioned it a few times. Number one was we must master the faith life living by faith, receiving from God, taking the promises of God off the written page of the Word and attaching our faith to them, allowing God to make those written promises a reality in our three-dimensional world. Amen? What I mean is you take Philippians 4.19 off of those written pages and you turn that with your faith into paid bills and filled gas tanks and full grocery cupboards Amen? You take the healing scriptures and you turn that into a well body, a pain-free body, a disease-free body. Y'all help me. Amen. You take the written promises of God about divine protection and you live your life supernaturally guarded every day, every moment, everywhere you go. So that no weapon that is formed against you could ever prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The uh, second thing that we talked about is uh, being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. You know, I just don't think you're going to make it. You're going to possibly end up a spiritual casualty in these last days uh, if we are not led by the Spirit. are going to have to learn to be led. It's not hard to be led by the Spirit, but you do need to know some things. Yeah. Praise God. And the third one was... Living in the center of God's will. Living in the center of God's will. You know, really, all the other aspects of things we teach and preach, if you try to uh, you can pray in tongues, you can worship God, you can try to use your authority, you can uh, endeavor to operate in faith, you can do all of those activities outside of the will of God for your life, and you won't get the pop, you won't get the fruit, you won't get the, the full effect of it. Like you would if you were conducting all of your spiritual life right in the center of God's will. Glory to God. It's called the sweet spot of life. And so it's these three things I'm convinced of that it is an urgent thing for you individually. Are you living in the center of God's will? you out there watching online, are you right now today, you're not in the acceptable will of God, you're not in the good will of God, you are in the perfect will of God for your life? Maybe you honestly don't know. Then That's fine. But you need to seek God and find out. What does the center of God's will look like for you? Amen. Are you actively endeavoring every day To be led. You're not just going. You are endeavoring to let God lead you. In all things big and small. Amen. And you are learning to live your life by faith. Well we could spend years here in the church. Doing nothing. But teaching and preaching on those three subjects. Amen. But right now we're going to focus on. And have been focusing on. Faith. Mastering faith. You know, you can't get saved without faith. You can't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost without faith. You can't receive healing most of the time. Unless God just does something through the gifts of the Spirit sovereignly in your life. Amen. Maybe you get a slop over (laughs) blessing. Thank God for the slop over blessing. Amen. But for many of us in this room, we've been around faith enough. We've been around the message enough that God's going to expect something of you. When sickness knocks on your door, when pain racks your body, that you grab hold of the word and do something with your faith. Amen. Amen. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's read again verses 3 through 5. Now, Paul uses virtually, I think, this entire chapter to warn, to challenge, to admonish believers everywhere um, that you can fail and God will let you fail if you want to fail. <laughs> Oh, God won't let me fail. He loves me. He will let you fail. If, if you choose to live in such a way, violate God's laws, never learn God's laws, never live according to His principles, He will love you as you fail. He will pat you on the head while you cry. Huh. Amen. Glory to God. And so he's using the first generation like he does so many times in the Bible of the Israelites that he brought out of Egypt as an example for us. So, without further ado, in verse number 3, 1 Corinthians 10, 3, it says, uh, They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ." But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted after. And then it lists in the next several verses uh, key sins and stumbling points that that generation fell into. Idolatry, in other words, quickly putting some false thing, some dead thing, ahead of their living God. That's idolatry. Remember he said these are examples for us. In verse 8, he highlights sexual immorality. It's just shocking to me how much of my time I am spending, if you want a little window into my world, of people who say they love God, and I believe they do, Amen, are members of this church, but who are caught up in sexual immorality. And I'm just doing everything I can to help every one of them break free. But this generation, because they refused to take a cold shower and do the right thing with their body, they were overthrown in the wilderness. God loved them. He chose them. He brought them out. And they were still defeated. And they became a dead, rotting corpse in the sands of Canaan. Because they wanted to have sex outside of God's boundaries. Parents, if you have children in your house, pay attention. Please help me. Pay attention. And be strong. Spank them if you need to spank them. Well, they're 18. Spank them anyway if they deserve it. That just means you can spank them harder. They can take it. I don't want to get off on that, but it's just a real deal. We gotta, we've got to get on top of this thing. And I don't mean to be graphic or anything, but zip it. Stop it. You're fellowshipping with demons. You're opening up the door to the devil. You're gonna destroy your life, your mind, your soul. Your spirit's joined with Jesus, and you're joining yourself with a harlot, or you're playing the harlot, or, or the other way around. It's not male or female thing. Males and females are doing it all. It takes two, right? Ooh, Jesus. Amen. Notice in verse 8 it says, Some of them commit, not everybody, but some of them committed this. Notice because of that, in one day, judgment fell, and over 20,000 of them were judged and were dead. Ooh, Jesus. In verse 9 says others tempted Christ and were destroyed by serpents. In verse 10 it says some of these people were just complainers and murmurers and gripers. <laughs> and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them because it's the Old Testament we don't have to worry about it. Is that what it says? What does it say? All of these things happened to them For an example for us. Be wonderful to hear from the sloppy grace people about how to interpret verses like these. Amen. Then in verse 12 it says, Wherefore let him thinketh, him that thinketh. Or he's saying, let him that thinks he stands. So he's talking to people that, oh, I think I'm doing good. Paul is saying, let that person who thinks they're doing good. Take heed to what's being said, lest they fall. We're all susceptible. We're all one flesh moment and bad decision away from being in the ditch, aren't we? Amen. I like this. Look at verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able in other words, if you're being tempted, you cannot say, I got overcome. Because if you're enduring that temptation, God knows you've got the stuff, honey, to resist that temptation. Or otherwise, He wouldn't let you face it. He wouldn't have even let that, in, that encounter even come about. But He is faithful not to allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but with the temptation... He is able. He will make a way of what? Uh, uh, to, uh, to escape that. To get out of that. To not fall to that. Amen. But anyway, that's, that's all just free. And I know you didn't even want that. But uh, praise God. This verse says that God's people, verse 3 through 5 especially, is what I wanted to point out especially, is that God's people were overthrown in the wilderness. And ultimately, they were overthrown because they failed to live by faith. They failed in faith. What is faith? Faith is simply believing God, trusting God, obeying God to do and to perform what He said He would do or perform. That's all faith is. Amen? Hallelujah. And we must master, we bec- must become the masters, praise God, of living this way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word overthrown in the Greek, if you remember, is where we get, uh, it comes from a Greek word that would translate catastrophe. And so in other words, see, it's your faith that will help you avoid the catastrophes of life. But God's people were, they endured, they became a catastrophe. Because they lacked faith. You all are a privileged group. You're a privileged group. I've been in Paducah 19, 20 years, almost 19 years. And I'm not, listen, please hear me. I'm not bragging, but I'm just, I don't know of, there may be five of them. There may be 10 of them. There may be 15 of them. But I don't really know another single pastor out there that is teaching a really strong, straight up good faith message. I have some guys that are going that way, thank God. But we're a privileged group. Yeah. Not because of me, but, but to hear faith, wow. to hear faith preached, to hear it taught to you strong. We're, we're blessed in it. Amen. Amen. Go over with me to Mark. To Mark chapter 11. It's like I was listening to Brother Hagin today. <laughs> One of his messages. He said, you know what? We might as well go over to Mark 11. Mark 11. Because you just can't teach faith without getting there eventually, so you might as well just start there. (laughs) Because contained in Mark chapter 11 are the greatest, most revelation-filled words that the Master ever uttered on the subject of faith. And so I just wanted to highlight tonight, with the time we have remaining, faith's three primary ingredients. Faith's three primary ingredients. Glory to God. I always like the chocolate chip cookie analogy, right? I mean, Ryan is the cookie maker of late, and she does a really, really good job. And uh, she doesn't put enough chocolate chips in her batch, though. She she doesn't. If I don't have like 10 chocolate chip morsels in a spoonful of cookie dough, it's just too short. That's just me. But you could have all the dough and all of that and not put any chocolate chip morsels in there. And it's a cookie, but it's not a chocolate chip cookie. Amen. And uh, you have to have all the necessary key core ingredients in there, right, Caden, to make what you're trying to make. He's the baker, the candlestick maker over there. (laughs) All right, Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus answering to His disciples, saith unto them, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. Isn't that just a wonderful statement that we can have the faith of God? Mm -hmm. We have our own individual measure as Christians of the very faith that God used to bring about the material universe. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's just an awesome thing to contemplate. And then in verse 23, Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Amen. Now, Right here, if we break down verse 23, you can see the very key core elements of the God kind of faith in operation. Number one, as we've talked briefly about in a prior service, faith involves, the God kind of faith involves believing in your heart. Believing with your spirit what God said. Faith has everything to do with what God said. Faith is not limited, it's not uh, disturbed, it's not hindered by feelings, emotions, circumstances, Satan, demons, evil people, uh, doctor's reports, bad economies, no job. Faith has nothing to do with any of those things. Faith overcomes all of those things. That's what's great about faith glory to God you know by faith we overcome everything that's in the world John told us this is the victory that overcomes the world what not our education thank God for that not our work ethic thank God for that not our wits not our networking ability thank God for that faith in God overcomes everything that's in the world out there hallelujah So we see here that believing is mentioned. Doubt is mentioned. Jesus said for the faith of God to work, to get results, you have to believe and not doubt in your heart. Now here is where a great many Christians get tripped up. They set out to believe God for their healing. They set out to believe God for their monthly rent. They set out to believe God for a piece of equipment maybe that they want. Whatever it may be. And they do good and immediately things, thoughts come to the mind. Feelings come to the soul. Right? And they have a lot of trouble with their head. And then because they're having all kinds of fits and trouble. How could this come? I don't know how that could ever work. It's not working. It's not so. It's not so. It's not so. Hello? And people become convinced because they're having this trouble in their mind. They have doubted. I'm doubting. Gosh, I'm doubting. I know I'm doubting. No, you're not. Jesus said He that believes and does not doubt where? In his heart. In his heart. In her heart. He didn't say anything about dealing with doubt in your brain, in your head, in your feelings, in your emotions. Brother Hagin taught this long ago. It's just been such a treasured statement. I, I, statement. I can't improve on it at all. I'll just regurgitate it again. Faith will work in the heart with doubt in the head. You've got to get that. You're a believer. You believe something in your heart. That works. That belief works. You're qualifying. You're operating in the faith of God all the while your mind is saying to you, it's not so. You are not well. In fact, you're worse off today than when you you prayed your prayer. It's working in reverse. It's never going to come to pass. And you can have all of that going on in your head and not have any doubt in your heart. Now the inevitable question comes, Pastor, how do I know if I'm in my head or in my heart? Well, how many of you husbands and wives have said to your spouse today, I love you? Or is that a regular thing for you? Maybe you didn't get around to it today. You could do it right now if you like. (laughs) Babe, I love you. You love me, I love you too. Now... Did you believe that in your heart? Did you mean it? Do you mean it? I love you. I hope you mean it. Hey, if you mean it, it's sincere. You mean it. That's what you believe in your heart. You're speaking from your heart. And so, when the Bible says that He has forgiven all of your iniquities... And He has healed all of your diseases. Deacon Philip, do you believe it? You believe it. So really believing is not the big issue with most Christians. But the devil tricks them into thinking they've disqualified themselves that they have in fact doubted because they've got this problem going on with their mind. Listen, your faith works in your heart while you have doubt going on in your mind. Can I tell you, the greatest things God has ever done for my wife and I, the greatest things, I'm telling you, in all my life serving God, the greatest things God's ever done through me in ministry, He did while I was having the biggest fit I ever had in my mind. So when I had this word of knowledge in the sands of India in February uh, of 2019, I had a word of knowledge about a man. I believe it was a man had a problem in his left eye. Now maybe he had a uh, eyelash in there. Maybe he had a you know a, I don't know maybe a scratch or maybe uh, some glaucoma or something like that. But when the guy came down, Kamal could tell you he was completely blind in that eye. And now God's got me with a word of knowledge. Being all bold about God's gonna heal your eye. And I have never seen a blind eye opened in all of my life. Never. Much less been used of the Lord to open somebody's blind eye. And all the while, as he got there and we tested him out and looked at his eye, you know what was going on in my head? Dummy, 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 stupid, 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 what are you gonna do now? They're going to all find out what a big American failure you are. But down in my heart, see, the Lord would prompt me, and the Lord would urge me and just be bold and just be confident. So I had a belief in my heart with a battle going on in my mind. So I just quickly acted. As soon as I got up there, laid my hand over that eye, commanded that eye to be opened in the name of Jesus, took my hand off, and boom, he was seeing. Put his hand completely over his uh, previously, you know, the one eye that he could see out of, and he could... I, you come, we and tell you. Isn't that right, brother? Am I not lying about you? He said, well, how many figures? One, two, four. Went right back to his chair with both eyes open. That's one of the greatest miracles so far in my ministry. And it happened all the while my head. Oh, if you had a picture into my mind while that was all happening. Remember I talked to you about the $25,000 we needed to raise to retire the debt on the building? And we got about I don't know, $14,000 real quick. And my mind was telling me, shut the service down. Just shut it down. You look like a fool. You tried. You got over half of it. That's good. Celebrate that. But all the while, see, I have this urgent on the inside. Just hang out. Hold out. Don't quit. Believe me. Trust me. See, are you getting it yet? Faith in every area will work. It will work. It will produce supernatural results all the while your mind is overcome with doubt. Please listen to me. Remember, you do not believe God. You do not operate the God kind of faith out of your mind. The best thing you could ever do with your mind is to renew it so that it doesn't fight you as much. The more you renew your mind on the Word, the more it will agree with your heart. But you never use your mind to try to believe Him. Your mind will never tell you it's okay to walk on water. Your mind may never tell you it's okay, I'll provide the money to go to Israel. Your mind may tell you you'll never have a good life, you'll never have a restored marriage, you'll never be healed of this affliction, you'll always have this, you'll always have this pain, you'll always have this circumstance. Stop waiting on your mind to give you permission to believe God from your heart. See what Jesus said here? He said, for verily I say unto you. Now, I like what Brother Hagin said. He said, you know, this was an Eastern. This is an Eastern mindset. This This is an ancient culture in an Eastern. And we try to interpret the word of God with a Western mindset. And when we just read right over, for verily I say unto you, we just read right over that. But to the Eastern mind, what Jesus said right there is, I solemnly swear that I am telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Here it is, help me God. That's what verily, and when he says verily, verily, I mean, it's just like squared. He is saying, This is it. Then what does he say? Whosoever. Come on, how do we know that this is for us? Well, because if I'm anything, Miss Teresa, I'm a whosoever. Isn't that right? If Jim, if you're anything, brother, you're a whosoever. I'm not a whatsoever. You're not a whatsoever. You're better than a whatsoever. You're a whosoever. What about that scripture in John chapter 3 said whosoever believeth upon me shall not perish but have everlasting life. Is is, is that for us? Then if the whosoever is in John chapter 3 is for us, then the whosoever in Mark chapter 11 is for me too. Whosoever, any of us in this room that will say to the mountains in their life, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. That what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. So the first primary vital ingredient that must be in the bowl of the God kind of faith is believing with your heart. Understanding that the devil's gonna fight your mind all the way through. Dr. Harold, is that right? With the healing of yeah. Totally healed. Healed. Prostate cancer. Prostate cancer on the planet today is incurable. Incurable with man. Possible with God. Right? You've got to believe something. But many of you do believe you have that ingredient in the bowl. But there's other ingredients. You know, having money doesn't equal spending money. I like to have money, but I like to spend money. Some of y'all need to get, you know, quit being so miserly. Hallelujah. A lot of you have faith, but you haven't learned to get out there and spend it. People die really, sincerely believing in their heart that they're healed. But believing in your heart is not the only ingredient that is required to produce supernatural results. Jesus did not say in this verse, you'll have whatever you believe. Christians think that though. They think that you're gonna, if I can just believe enough, if I believe strongly enough, it'll come to pass. Sweetheart, no, it won't. Having faith is a vital step. But then you must learn to use your faith. You must learn to release your faith. So really the other major ingredient we see in this verse is what? Saying. Saying. How many times is the word say in that verse in some form? Three times. How many times is the word believe mentioned in that verse? Once. So though believing is very important, you won't get results unless you do believe. It's not nearly the most emphasized thing in this verse on faith. What is Saying. Set your eyes on that verse again. Pastor, I've seen this before. That's fine. When was the last time you did anything with it? When was the last time you produced anything with it? What are you actively using this principle to do right now? Amen. I love what Dr. Jacob says. Anyone that says, I've heard this faith stuff before, doesn't know anything about faith. Just to quote him, first of all, he said, faith isn't stuff, it's holy. Amen. And anyone who really does know anything about faith, anytime it's mentioned, they rejoice, they shout, they run, because they know faith is their life. So, let's go over this again. Whosoever shall do what? Say. Does the God kind of faith involve words? Got to get a revelation of it. Words are everything. Your words are everything. I said your words are everything. Oh, I just uh, I don't have enough money to pay attention. Words. Words. My bursitis. I have arthritis. Diabetes runs in my family. Words. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say, Be thou removed. And really, it's anything you say. And shall not doubt in his heart, but believe... Now, listen, get this. Believe what? Did it say believe God? No. Did it say believe the promise? No. What did it say? What is Jesus saying that we are required to believe? We are required to believe in our words. Justin, do you hear me? You are required by God, if you want to produce supernatural results, to believe in your words. Not His Word. Your Word. What the God kind of faith in us does is we say something we believe. And we believe that what we say will come to pass. And Jesus said the person that does that shall have whatsoever God wills. No, not amen. No, no, no. We don't say and then we actually get whatever God wills. No, we get whatever we say. So speaking words of faith from your heart is the second vital ingredient that must be present if you're going to call what you're doing and operating in Bible faith. You can believe to your core in Philippians 4.19, but if you never call your need met and believe that in your heart, your actual needs will be left unmet. Are you with me? See, so if we don't like our circumstances, if we don't like our life today, listen, just understand that your life today is the product, it is the sum total of what you believed and said in yesterday. You created this current reality. Don't put it off on the devil. Don't put it off on your race. Don't put it off on a political class. Don't put it off on your parents. All of those are real influences, don't get me wrong. But the faith of God in your heart trumps all of that. Overcomes all of that. The faith of God in the fact that He is healed trumped everything we know about medical science about prostate cancer. Hello? You'd either have to call Brother Harold a liar or acknowledge that faith in God did for him what science says is impossible. Amen. Come on. So it's a really big deal to pick the right words to speak the right words and to believe in the words you speak. So can I say some things to you? This is where Dr. Dufresne would stop and say to all of us smart alecks and jokesters and jesters who are in a really bad habit of saying all kinds of things we do not mean. That's a bad habit. It's fine to have a sense of humor. But you're training your heart not to believe in your words when you constantly say things you do not mean. You know, we we just have we're blessed to have this one rental property right now and it's actually up for rent. And I've had I get five to ten calls on it, thankfully, every day. I've had six showings scheduled and six no shows. So I heard from a person's mouth six times, I will be there. They weren't there. They are either dead or they lied to me. And the more we lie, the more we make commitments and that we don't keep them, the more we utter things out of our mouth that we don't believe You are training your heart to doubt your words. So it's so vitally important. This is why so many Christians are weak in faith because things fly out of their mouth. They do not mean it. They do not expect it to come to pass. And they've trained their heart to not believe what the mouth is saying. You've damaged your faith. You've damaged your capacity to believe this by talking loosely. Think about if you're God, how careful you have to be. Because what if God, in a fit of impatience, got mad at your pastor and called him a frog. <laughs> because he believes so much. And there's so much power and force that comes out of his being. If he gives voice to those words. When he said, light be, ka-bam. Yeah. The Bible says, it was so When He spoke forth the animal kingdom, out of His being from He believed those words came forth all the living creatures. Aren't you glad God is very, 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 very thoughtful and measured about the words that He speaks? Isn't that what James tells us? That a wise man is swift to hear and slow to speak. This is why when you see the Master, this is what you know about Jesus in Bethany when He came upon this fig tree. When He said out of His mouth, No man eat fruit from, from you hereafter again forever. He believed it. He believed what He said to that tree. He meant business. And it didn't take about 24 hours and that tree died from the roots. There's no limit. Jesus is the prototype. He's the last Adam. If we can't operate in this God kind of faith, He he did us wrong by telling us how to do it, Ryan. Is that right? But when He stood up in the boat and He faced the wind and the rain and the storms and said to it, peace be still, He meant that from His being. He meant that from His heart. And it immediately obeyed Him. So, if you, one way to measure how, how developed you are in this. Start speaking to something. How long and how many words do you have to speak to see change in that area? And the, right? The longer it is will tell you how undeveloped you are in that area. But see, the great thing is Practice. 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 Practice making your words powerful. Think about what you're saying. Do you really want to have that bum knee? No? Then don't say, I have one. Some people say, it no doesn't matter what I do, Pastor. Flu season comes around, I get it every year. Yeah, what did Jesus say? They believed that in their heart. And they said it with their mouth. And Jesus said, you have whatsoever you say. Are you getting it? I never get ahead. It just seems like, you know, you could drop Pastor Chris in a big vat of poo and he'd come out smelling like a rose, but nothing ever good happens to me. Well, see, I'm talking differently than you are. (laughs) I'm not better than you, but my words are better than your words. Are you with me? God is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. He's no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. Remember what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? They all ate the same spiritual food. God didn't discriminate. They all heard the same word. They all drank of the same spirit. But some responded in faith, but many doubted and were unbelieving and wanted to lust after evil things, and so they were overthrown in the wilderness of life. God isn't, when you look around any congregation, ours or any congregations, the differences you see is not God picking those He decides to bless and those He wants them to struggle for a while. What we're seeing is the difference in faith. You see, friends, I never get sick. I don't ever get sick. If symptoms come, I throw them off within 36, 48 hours. And if, if they're not gone, if all the symptoms are not gone 36, 48 hours, I'm not blaming God, but I'm checking out myself. God, where have I missed it? Because I am redeemed from sickness and disease. And so are you. But if you say things like, you know, occasionally I pick up a virus. Then don't be surprised when the occasional virus grabs hold of your body. Right? Oh, every investment I make, it's just a loser. I wouldn't invest another dime if I were you. You you need a concrete box and just put all your spare pennies in there because... As long as you're talking like that, you're going down. See, if you talk failure, and you talk your lack of faith, you talk doubt, you talk defeat, then you're bound by all of that. That's that's what you're going to have. You're going to have doubt. You're going to have fears. You're going to have sickness. You're going to have failure. You're going to have what you say. See, the great thing is, so, and I'm closing, you can school yourself, Reverend Marilyn, into faith. Just school yourself right into faith. How do I do that? That sounds cool, Pastor. How do I do that? I'm not, I don't have faith, but I want to school myself into it. Just talk what you want, whether you believe it in your heart or not. Let your own heart hear the right words. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I never, I'm trying to be very careful, I never speak anything that would open up the door for the devil to overthrow this ministry. This ministry cannot be overthrown, it just cannot. What if it splits three directions and half of you go up and start a church over here and half of I don't care, y'all will fail and I'm going to thrive right here. <laughs> no financial thing. No government thing. Nothing. This church is authored by God. The health of the church has nothing to do with the number of people that are here. We're not healthier when there's more and sicker when there's fewer. We abound. We pay all our bills. We produce great fruit. We overcome every obstacle. Why? Because that's the kind of thing me and my wife and my family and our staff say. Loose lips. What do they do? Sink ships. If you've got loose lips in your marriage, you need to not be the loose lip. And in love, you may need to go, over- Just just stop. 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 Don't say it. I mean, what if you live, Caden, under this principle, this knowledge that everything you say going forward comes to pass? Everything you say. You'd be careful, wouldn't you? You know, there's just all kinds of examples here. That's why saying or you know, hearing the words and God forbid somebody saying God, D A M N. You or it, anything like that is such an abomination. Why? Because it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. God is not the dammer. He's the Savior, the Redeemer, the Blesser, the Healer, the Deliverer. <laughs> so don't say stuff like that. Don't be around people, you know, if, if you can avoid it, that say stuff like that. Now, okay, there are more ingredients in the bowl of faith that I didn't tell you about tonight. So what's that mean? Eager to come back and hear more. Amen? Same time, same place. Father, in the name of Jesus.